0: Our Gospel reading today is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices, so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. May we hear and understand what our scriptures are teaching us today. This passage, this telling of the Resurrection story in Mark, is different from all the other Gospels. Notice that Mark's only witnesses are women in a day when people scoffed and disallowed the testimony of women. So I want to explore it a bit, especially with the women of the story in mind. Here are a few questions I want you to think about as I work my way through my comments today. And I want you to think about these later at home and reread this passage and, and just, uh, it's, it's intriguing. Here, here are my questions What was the intent of the women who came to Jesus' tomb? Reread the story as if you were one of these women. What do you notice? What do you feel? Would you be more relieved or more terrified by the sights and sounds of that young man? What's their new mission? How is that the mission of all disciples? And is there something that keeps you from sharing the good news? Okay. Now, you might have noticed, especially you Bible nerds out there, that we ended the Gospel reading at the end of verse 8. You might wonder why, since your Bible might have verses 9 to 20 included. Well. Uh, Most scholars have figured out that this is the original ending of the Gospel of Mark, verse 8. It is kind of strange. And so we have to kind of allow that verses 9 to 20 are a later edition. And and by the way, we should really hope they are a later edition or we need to all start practice handling snakes. Look up those last verses if you're curious. That's a topic for another time. Anyway, ending at verse 8... Mark's book actually ends with a preposition, gar, which means for. Grammar nerds will agree that is no way to end a sentence, much less a book dangling. Everything feels incomplete. Everything is left hanging. Yeah, well, that's Christianity. It's not done. Tied up in a ribbon, but incomplete, ongoing. The rest of the story is, well, it's today, it's tomorrow, it's our lives, it's our church's mission. So anyway, verses 9 to 20 were added later, on at least two different times. Probably because the church was uncomfortable with that original ending. You know, it really was men at different councils who were trying to put together these scriptures to make a cohesive whole for us. And they just didn't like that. Now in case you need a reminder, here's the original verse 8 ending. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid." But word order makes that end with the preposition for in the Greek. Anyway, that's kind of a strange ending, don't you think? Kind of weak? Kind of a damp squib of an ending? A dud? A firework that didn't go off? A sputter instead of an explosion? I mean, okay, you would think that an event as impressive as the resurrection calls for fireworks at the end, wouldn't you? Big widescreen special effects kind of moment filmed in VistaVision Technicolor High Def 3D IMAX. But no, we get, they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Huh. Well, now who are they in this case? Well, they're the women. The women who went to do something, at least they tried to do something, to care for the dead body. And what was the intent of them as they came to the tomb was to anoint him. Mark says they came to anoint him, seemingly forgetting that Jesus was already anointed back in his own, chapter 14, by an unnamed woman with an alabaster jar. Maybe it was Mary, Mary Magdalene, or Mary, who was Martha's sister, or some other Mary, the mother of James, perhaps Jesus' mom, maybe? There were just too many Marys. Mark couldn't keep them all straight. No wonder we get confused. And Salome, wasn't that Herod's daughter who danced a dance that won her a prophet's head? Surely not. (laughs) Another Salome, thought to be the mother of James and John, Zebedee's wife. Mother of James? Wait, isn't that Mary, or is that a different James? Uh, We need a cast list, or at least an IMDB page. We don't know who's who in this story. We we, we know what they did, or what they didn't do, rather, or what they tried to do, don't we? Uh, Okay, they intended to anoint the body, to prepare it for burial. This practice was actually to aid in the decay process. The spices were to help the smell, but also to accelerate the decomposition. Bodies would lie in the tomb for a year, and then the family would go and collect the bones and put them in a box called an ossuary. That would be stored in a different section of the tomb. So, when Joseph loaned his family's tomb to the family of Jesus, they were supposed to be temporary but little did he know how temporary it actually would be. They said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. It was what they didn't do that Mark was interested in. They didn't anoint the body because there wasn't a body to anoint. So they were given a different task. They were given a different mission by the young man in the tomb. A young man who seems kind of weirdly familiar. A young man in a garden tomb reminds us of a certain other young man in a garden of violence and betrayal in Mark 14, 51. Now, we do not actually know who that young man was. There's been a lot of speculation. And if you don't remember it, just go back and look that up. And yet, that young man in that garden who was just kind of watching what was happening in Gethsemane, that young man... He had been just dressed in a a light linen wrap and he ran off without clothes. He was so scared to death. This young man in the tomb is filled with the confidence of life eternal. He's not here. Look, see that empty spot? He has been raised. He wasn't interested in tombs, but in what came out of one. Or rather, who came out of one? Who's who? We aren't introduced to this young man because it isn't his story. He's a pointer, a reference to another. He's not here. Think about this story as if you were one of these women. What do you notice? What do you feel? Again would you be more relieved or would you be more terrified by the sight and words of the young man? Well now Since they clearly were not going to be anointing the body of Jesus, what were they to do? The young man tells them, But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Did you notice? There you will see him. He's already up and about. He's going to meet us down the road. A new mission was given to them. But go and tell his disciples. They came with one task and they didn't do it. They couldn't. It was no longer necessary. The things of death are no longer necessary. The attitude of death, the victory of death was no longer. The frightening, hopeless situation no longer existed. So a new mission was needed. Go and tell his disciples and Peter. And Peter? Boy, I bet they had to blink at that. I'm sure you remember the last time we saw Peter, he was collapsed, sobbing in the courtyard of the high priest's house. The last we heard from Peter, he was spouting curses and swearing oaths that he didn't have a clue of who this Jesus person was. (laughs) The last we knew of Peter, he was condemned by a rooster crowing in the dawn of a terrible day. It was the worst day of Peter's life, and he knew he had failed. He had failed to keep his word that he had so vehemently declared mere hours before that damnable rooster, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And die he did inside, in his soul, in his sense of self. Who's who, Peter? Who's you? Nobody, that's who. (laughs) But now the mission is, go and tell his disciples and Peter. What did Peter do to deserve this? What did he do? Nothing. And what did the women do? They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Nothing. What did any of them do to make this Easter moment happen? Nothing. What do any of us do to deserve Easter? Nothing. And what do we do to receive Easter? Nothing but receive it. Who's who in the Easter story? Not them, not us. Only him. And as you may have noticed, Mark doesn't even have Jesus appear in the original ending. Jesus doesn't pop up from behind a rolled away stone and shout, Surprise! He doesn't encounter anyone wandering in the garden. It is just a presence. a, a, A presence. He's not here. He will meet you, though. He will meet you where you live. He's already there ahead of you. Get moving, get going, or Easter will go on without you. That's what we do on Easter. We, we run to catch up. We run to find the one who has gone before us, the one who was raised for us. What did we do to make Easter happen? Nothing. What did we do to deserve such a gift, such a moment? Nothing. What can we do to stop it or make it better? Nothing. Easter is... Easter was and is and always will be, and we did nothing. That's Mark's way of telling the story. It isn't our story. It isn't our doing. It is God. God is the actor. God is the doer. We barely appear. It isn't a human story. It's a divine one. It isn't our story. It's God's and God's ways are different from our ways. And yet, and yet we have been given a mission. Who's who in Easter? What well, we are. We are because of Easter. We are someone because of Easter. We are who we are not by our doing, but by the grace of God. We are made new, not because we earned it, but because God gives it. We have hope, not because we are strong enough to work for it or respond to it or claim it. We have hope because God gives it. God gives it in all the ways that we live. God gives it to all the roads and paths that we follow in our life. And because the resurrected Jesus leads us home to hope and new life. The faithful women, rising early that first dawn of what would become the new Sabbath, went to a cemetery expecting to find a corpse. What they found was a messenger of God. Grief turned to fear and to amazement and wonder. Even in their fear and confusion, they wondered, could could it be that Jesus was alive? Is that what he meant when he spoke of rising on the third day? So now, their mission, should we choose to accept it, is ours. It's time to get going. Even if we are afraid, it's time to get going. Have faith. Faith steps in when we cannot understand. You will see him. He told you that, remember? Only God can take the tragedy of the cross and turn it into an Easter celebration of hope. It is God's race that rolls away the stones from the tombs of our existence and helps to make sense of it all. You will see him. And in seeing Him, you will know that God is at work bringing comfort, hope, and resurrection. You will see Him in every person you meet. You will know who's who. Amen. Amen.